Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 221 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. Hello, Joe. Merry Mismas to you, sir. Let's not make that a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. I hope that between now and next December, The Miz releases another Christmas movie. That's my. That's the dream. Well, I was saying this, not to spoil uh, what we had to watch for homework this week, but I was looking at The Miz's IMDb just to see if there would be enough movies to pad out watching stuff, but the, sadly there's not. He was only in five Marine movies and these two Christmas movies that we've watched, and then he's like made like guest spots, like one-offs on different USA Network TV shows. Ooh, that might be, there might be some meat on the bone there. Yeah, yeah. I, I guarantee you one of those uh, Marine movies is set in, like, Christmas time. You know how, like, Die Hard claims to be a Christmas movie because there's, like, a Christmas tree in the background? There's got to be a, yeah. a Marine movie that's under similar circumstances. Well, I know one has uh, Becky Lynch and Shawn Michaels in it. That's all I know. <laughs> we'll do the film. What do you guys call it on Longbox? Like, the film over the film. I, a viewer. Or viewer of. Of Mike Mazanin. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'll be uh, the Patreon show, one of the two. Of this Patreon show? Yeah, of our, you know, the, the very famous At Odds Patreon. You know how we do, like, we, we each pick movies every week, every month. And right. We go through old episodes of PWI Insider. That's where all Adam's information about Japanese wrestling lives. <laughs> that and old Nintendo games and PlayStation 1 games. Right. You and Tim get working on that. All right. Will do. So it's a light show, but we got a lot to cover, you know? Um, yeah. Adam think- opened the floodgates and invited everyone and their mother to call in this week, so... I only invited the people that I gave picks to. Anybody else going into business for themselves, that's on you. Okay. For having a popular show that people want to listen to. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. Oh, I, <laughs> and I was so um, you were giving me shit about um, not mentioning the show on uh, what should we call? It? I'm glad I'm do- I'm glad I'm doing this now while we're on the air, right? Uh huh. So uh, Saturday or Sunday, Sunday, there was a um, you know Elon Musk, right? I've heard of him. Yeah. So he did that thing with the 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 uh, the poll, you know. Uh huh. And uh, I had tweeted out the whole thing of like same energy. I don't know if you remember that one uh, with Ryback, as I'm putting it up on the screen here. Yep. And it was getting a bunch of traction, and uh, somebody had contacted me about it, and I go, uh, I really can't do anything with it unless it gets like 500 likes, you know. No, and it never got it never got 500 likes, right? Yeah, you, you. I'm so sorry for you. You're stuck at 442 likes. Right. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to boost it to... I put out a poll and 100% vote to get me off of this show. Can you believe that? Uh, 100% vote. Of all, of all the bits that you do, that's the one that I like the least. <laughs> I'm just trying to give the people what they want. You won't let me. <laughs> the very thing. Listen, the door's right over there. You're free to leave at any time. Since when? 
I thought I always felt like I was a prisoner. Listen, but, we can wrap up right now and I can go to bed early. You know what I mean? Uh, well, maybe when the gender neutral monarch's over with. Oh, okay. That's right. my legacy. So when the tournament's over, we'll talk. Gotcha. So hopefully the people. So look, now while it only had, because now that you could see how many uh, things that you get, right? Yeah. How many impressions? It did have over 23,000 23, impressions, right? Yeah. So hopefully, you know, 1% of those people will see this tweet and listen to the show. All right. Or give me a follow. That's all. Or I give you. A, that's why I tagged you in it, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. That makes up for it. <laughs> I, wa- I was going to do it once it hit 500 or when we were on the air, you know? So that's what came first. We were on the air. All right. Well, I think you're st- stop padding the show. I think we could do this in under an hour, Joe. Oh, let's not go crazy. Let's get all right. Let's get into this then, huh? Mm-hmm. And now, at odds with wrestling presents this day in wrestling history. Hey, it's a light this day in wrestling history. Uh, the only thing we have to cover is the 1997 head-to-head Monday Nitro versus Monday Night Raw. And I've been hemming and hawing on what to cover first, right? Mm -hmm. So I've decided we're going to talk about Raw first, okay? All right, mixing it up. So this is is a taped Raw that was taped almost a week and a half prior from lovely Lowell, Massachusetts. (laughs) Um, we have continuations of stuff that have been set up previously on Raw, like Sable comes out and Mark Merrowheiser dressed as a reindeer, and it's like a full mascot furry costume, and then she takes it off and she has a sexy Santa outfit on. Yep. And then Mark Merrow's still feuding with that jobber Tom Brandy, right? Uh-huh. Um, we also get the continua- continuation of Goldust. He comes out dressed as a sexy Christmas tree. Yeah, and he reads poetry or reads a Christmas story. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also get the the very, I would say, infamous um, bit with DX where uh, Commissioner Slaughter makes them wrestle each other for the European title. Yeah, and the whole show has, like, bumpers before they go to commercial of them training and, like, getting ready in separate locker rooms and treating right. it like it's going to be this, you know, like knock down drag out fight and then we get the original finger poke of doom right the two things i'll never forget about this is when they're doing the separate locker room separate training montages each time they cut to either sean or hunter's locker room china is with whoever they're with Mm. which i was just thought was like a funny little bit that china's with both of them even though they're like at each other's throats for this right well she's staying impartial right and the big giant crazy steps that Hunter takes on the Irish uh, on like running the ropes, those two things for that angle always stuck with me, right? Yeah, and didn't Triple H say after the fact that he was trying to emulate the Ultimate Warrior in that squash from Mania? I I don't recall that, but you know I could I'm sure if we like rewatch the self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior, um, we would see all that, you know? Yeah. So, again, bear in mind, this is a taped Raw. Um, it was taped a week and a half before from, like, a building that has a balcony. And you could, see, like, it just has, like, a it, it's like a theater. And you could see the roof. Um, they always say on 
they always say on our Vantage Point podcast, if you're watching an episode of WF TV and you can see the roof or the walls of the building, then you know you're in a bad thing. Like when you can see like the gymnasium floor, like the gymnasium ceiling, or you can see the basketball hoops yeah. put up in the background, you know you're in like the bad air of WWF, you know? Yeah. But this is what I was looking up before. So there's a bit on the show with Santa, okay? Mm. That's my present? Well, I gotta tell you something, little boy. See that little boy? You're definitely mm-hmm. not stable. No kidding. Somebody else can't get a haircut Santa Claus for, for Christmas this year, little boy. Well, anyway, while I'm here, why don't you tell Santa Claus and everyone here tonight what you really want for Christmas. You're not the real Santa Claus. What do you mean I'm not the real Santa Claus? It's very Claus? clearly Steve Lombardi. <laughs> that kid's not feeling very, really oozy today, is he? Right. Again, in Lowell, Mass, wearing a San Francisco 49ers jacket. <laughs> That's right. It's one of the Sultan's kids. And everyone was trying to figure out if that was Jimmy or Jay, and nobody could figure it out, you know? <laughs> uh, so that's very funny. That's their first appearance on Raw. <laughs> so, uh, I, I don't know why I saw lots of tweets about that that guy eating Cheetos. Uh, I don't know why that got exposure to that. And Austin comes out and he stuns Sam, right? Yeah. And I remember at the time, like, I wouldn't say being upset about that, but everyone's like, oh, my God, Austin's done Santa. And I'm like, didn't we see, like, 911 chokeslam Santa at, like, an ECW show, like, three years prior? Yeah. So, you know, like, a lot of the ECW infiltration stuff is coming in uh, to WWE. And, you know, we're, like, a week or two away from, like, really WWE hitting its stride. And a lot of it uh, – so a lot of it has less to do with WWE at the time and more so with – WCW and Nitro, specifically this Nitro. So this is the go-home show for Starcade, right? Starcade 97, which in and of itself is an infamous thing. It's a three-hour Nitro, and over a half hour of the episode of Nitro is the NWO taking over Nitro, taking down all the WCW signage, and putting up NWO signage. Yeah, I remember that took forever. Right. So there's no matches going on during this, okay? Mm -hmm. And this is one of those other moments that I'll never forget. Well, as they're doing, like, all the whatever, like, bringing, like, taking all the signage down for WCW and putting all the NWO stuff, there's a part where Rick Rude just starts yelling pyro, right? (laughs) Like, he wants them to put the pyro off. And he just keeps repeating it over and over again. And that just really stuck with me. But, like, in retrospect... This was, um, so overall, head-to-head, Nitro still wins for the night, okay? But this, these two quarter hours where they were doing this were the first time that Raw had beaten Nitro in almost two years. Yeah, because, like, after 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes of the set being changed, you're like, all right, right. maybe I'll switch over. So it was, I think, the poorness of this episode of Nitro— this segment specifically and the fallout from Starcade is really what gets the ball rolling that like thank god like DX is like just going out there and doing whatever the hell they want. Austin is like the hottest thing in wrestling and like now you're just like 
you're actively pushing eyes away from your product to go watch this other product that is on the come up now, you know? Yeah, you have The Rock in a right about to go off. You yeah. Have a lot of the attitude repackaging of people. Yeah, it's a good time to, to jump on. Right. Yeah. You've over on the other channel, you have all the other WWE superstars, and then there's me, Double J as well. <sighs> <laughs> so it's so funny. They talked about it on the Double J podcast this week that Vince sold him such a bill of goods when they brought him back to WWF at this time. Because at the time, Vince pitched to him, like, right now, the WWF, we have like the top four, and that's Brett, Sean, Undertaker. And uh, I forget who the four, and Austin, right? Mm. They're like, we want to make you the fifth person on that, like, on that thing. We want them to mention your name the same way they say Austin and Michaels and Brett and Undertaker. And uh, didn't quite pan out that way. Well, I mean, some people, when they're handed the ball, they score. And some people fumble it, like Joe, uh, Jeff Jarrett, you know? I don't know. Who's... who? Who's who's gonna be one half of the AEW tag team champions very soon? Double J. Ugh. What's what's Austin doing right now? Nothing. He's in his trailer drinking a beer. What's Shawn Michaels doing? At home crying and looking at Mandy Rhodes' nude photos. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, uh Brett's the only one who's doing good out of that whole crew. What's Undertaker doing? Hating minorities. So listen. Double J is doing the best out of all five of those. 25 years on, right? Yeah, plus Undertaker's on the FBI watch list now. That's right. That's right. He's uh, he's not doing so well. I don't know why San Francisco's uh, FBI branch went after him when he lives in Texas. But <laughs> it was a diversion. But, yeah, that's all I got for this day in wrestling history, man. It's a light day. Um, I just, like, all of this stuff now. Like, I wasn't watching Nitro Live. I was picking it up on the replays. But, like... I remember how bad this Nitro was. Yeah, I think I was still doing the VHS, you know, record one, watch one live. And yeah. we're right around the point where I was wa- started watching WWE live and taping Nitro. Because for the longest time, I was watching Nitro live because that was the more exciting show. But I think around this era is where I flip-flopped. Yep. I think it might have just been like when DX formed. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, this is, you know... The the Kane Undertaker stuff starts hitting a fever pitch. They're doing the build toward the Royal Rumble. Um, and the Mike Tyson stuff is going to get announced on TV within the next, like, week or two, you know? Yeah. And th- th- these are all, like, just all the pieces just start falling into place, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. So enough about 25 years ago. What would you like to talk about from this past week? I'm going to keep things pretty quick and pretty light because I'm confident in this show's ability to get in under an hour. Uh, I'm going to start with Dynamite, and I'm going to ask you and everybody that's listening, why is Tony Khan trying so hard to make Swerve not cool? You know, we had this segment where, uh, I I don't know, I'm I'm an old, so Rick Ross, is that who it was? That is who that is. All right, Rick Ross is going to mediate face-to-face between Swerve and Keith Lee. Keith Lee comes out first. Uh, Rick Ross says, you're a big motherfucker, which was kind of funny. For whatever reason, Swerve's entrance took forever. And then Parker Bordeaux jumps Keith Lee. And this is another example of another random trust buster person being used as like a surprise and an angle. Because before we had the one dude, uh, one of Tony Pepperoni's boys be fake Sting. Um, 
And then, like, some dude who's made lots of poor choices in his life joins in and, like, jumps in and has just got tattoos all over his face and everywhere. Was there nobody on the AEW roster that was maybe not being used currently that they could have maybe had be Swerve's heaters? I don't know. But, you know, at the end of the day, Swerve's still super cool because Ed told me he is. But that whole segment left my head like scratching my my beautiful head it it was very weird and awkward i don't think either one of them came out looking better so i okay um aria davari did put a tweet out explaining that he 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 lent parker bordeaux parker bordeaux it's harlan his name's harlan uh, to Swerve, and what the hell's the name of Swerve's new group now? It's like Mogul Unlimited or something? I knew the Mogul part, but I didn't yeah. catch the rest of it, yeah. Um, so, um, the bits where Harlan was doing offense against uh, Keith Lee were really bad, right? Uh-huh. Um, that other guy who's like, has like the cornrows and the facial, facial piercings and like his entire face tattooed. I guess he's a former baseball player or something. Uh, I mean, if he if he did, he never made the pros with those tattoos. Like I would. No, 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 no. For sure, he didn't. Um, hang on. I could find out who that other guy was. Yeah, I mean, while um, you're doing that, the cinder block spot was cool, but cinder block spot was cool. And no matter what they try, I really feel as though. Um, in spite of all this, Swerve still comes off as, like, one of the coolest guys in all of professional wrestling. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's, like, he exudes cool, but it's just, like, they're actively trying to put a regulator on his coolness. So they're like, man, you might reach critical mass of coolness, so we need to pair you with two chuds to try to, like, just keep that down a little bit. I'm trying to. There's other people that are yelling at the TV that they listen to this on, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find where the thing is with that guy. Um, but so if they can use Swerve to attempt to get these other two guys over, then by all means, I know Tony's really high on Harlan, and listen, I don't see it, but it's not my company, so it's not my money on the line. He could do whatever the hell he wants. Um, I could just choose not to watch those segments, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. And whatever you say this guy's name is, I'm going to forget it as soon as you say it. No, I know. So I'm doing a lot of work for nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just okay. face, face tattoo guys, fine. Uh, his name is Grandin Goatsman. G-O-E-T-Z-M-A-N. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> Uh, he was a, a double, a, he was a, a triple A guy and he was like off the bench for the Astros. No oh, fucking heel heat. Right. Fuck Astros. Fuck that guy. Right. Oh, um, so like he was on, like he was a player, like maybe let's say like three, four years ago. Uh, he's been in like whatever the nightmare factory training or whatever, uh, for the better part of like the last like year. And he's been at the last two months worth of TV, waiting for them to make this uh, this debut, this with with this angle, you know. Yeah. So like maybe in like a year, by the time we get to Nightmare Factory Showcase number seven or something, you'll see his matches. Right, Grandin Goatsman. There you go. 
that that's a, is that his shoot name or is that his his gimmick name? That's his working name. Okay, I was gonna. Say, uh, oh no, that's his shoot name. That's his shoot name. Sorry. All right, it's it's ridiculous either way. So, um, speaking of dynamite, um, I got bigger things to talk about from that, but I finally figured out how um, Tony Khan can make me care and not say that MJF's promos are bad. And how's that show? By not letting anyone else cut promos on the show. (laughs) Because anytime anyone else cuts a promo on the show, it's infinitely better than whatever the promo that MJF cut was. Just by, you know, just by sheer relation, you know? Okay. Um, So if MJF is the only person on the show who cuts a promo, then by de facto, it's the best promo on the show. I mean, MJF, was he the only person to do like an in-ring or because I, I, feel, I feel like a lots of people did promos last night. Well, that no. So that's what I'm saying. So okay. D- Danielson's promo was better than like MJF had like oh, the okay. little backstage gimmick after Dan, uh, like all oh, the cameras caught up with MJF last week. And here's what he had to say about Danielson. And then they showed MJF watching on the screen backstage in his uh, Hanukkah suit, right? Yeah. Okay. So they sh- they show that backstage promo with MJF from last week on this week's episode, but uh, Danielson cuts a promo in ring. That's better than MJF's promo. Uh, Ethan Page comes out, better value MJF comes <laughs> out and cuts a better promo than MJF. Uh, Stokely Stoke- comes out. Stokely, you raggedy bitch. <laughs> Stokely calls Danielson a raggedy bitch, and that was awesome. Ricky Starks comes out and cuts a promo a hundred times better than uh, MJF's promo from this week. So if no one else on the show cuts promos, backstage promos, in-ring promos, stage promos, nothing, uh, then by default, MJF has the best promo on the show. And uh, I thought that Sanjay Dutt's rap was awesome (laughs) because of how bad it was. Because... The heels aren't supposed to cut cool raps. The heels are supposed to, like, do stuff that sucks and think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, he's doing this off-key rap about Double J, and it was the best. <laughs> Moxley had a good promo as well. That's right. Moxley had a good light. promo last night. Yeah. All these guys have these great promos, and then by default, MJF has, like, the sixth best promo on the show because he's, you know, just okay. Yeah, like I already trademarked my show idea, which was Oops All Promos. Um, you could have MJF on a show where there's no promos. You right. Know, that, I think that would be a good counter to the to my indie show. Run them the same weekend. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it, it's good to see that uh, your boy Ricky is going to be paired up with Jericho. I'm sure that'll work out well for everybody. Mm. But – well. I- it looked like they're going to tease at least at the very least we're going to get action and Dreddy and Ricky against 3.0 so that'll be a fun match yeah uh, alright well hopefully whenever Ricky gets his one out of three wins against Jericho it'll be with a finish we can see again I'm not holding on hope for that yeah I'm going to stay with Dynamite and my other thing I'm going to talk about is the main event which was a really, really good match between Sheeta and Jamie Hayter. Uh, the match kicked ass. My only complaint, other than the fact that Sheeta didn't win and become champ again, because uh, 
Uh, you know, Sheeta might be breaking into my top ten. We'll we'll talk about that another day. But ooh, baby, yeah. Uh, and I already know who's getting bumped out, but that's a discussion for Patreon. Um, the only thing I'll say is that I felt like, and I saw this a lot of places on Twitter, so I'm not the only one. The, the commercials felt overly long because they went to commercial twice. It was a three segment match, yeah. and one of them just felt like it was really long. And yes, it was in picture in picture, but I ain't watching the little tiny screen. If if I'm hearing commercials going on, I'm not paying attention to what's what's happening. So for whatever reason, I felt like the pacing of the commercials, like they should have front loaded the the show with more advertising. But regardless, really good match. I, I didn't think that Sheeta was going to win, but it was a super competitive back and forth match. Props to Hater. Uh, you know she's not. I was about to say she's not winning with the help of Britt Baker. But yeah, Britt's in yeah. there, but it's not like haters like a chicken shit champion. Like she's she's going toe to toe with her competitor. So yep. I really like the match. Uh, it, it's easy to say, oh, it was a really good match like for the women or a really good girls no. match. No, it was a good match. Yes. Regardless of whether it was men or women. Uh, I enjoyed it. Great way to main event. It was fun that it wasn't the nine 30 match, you know, like yeah. cut in half and then having the men at the end or an MGF promo to end the show. Uh, really good uh, way to end dynamite. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I had this on my list. It's a really good match. Um, I'm with you in regards to the, the commercials. That's just poor planning. That's no fault of the competitors. Of course. No. Right. They should have, you know, front loaded the commercials exactly as you said, Um, you know, but if you have a VPN and play pay for the version of Fight Plus where you can watch the show without commercials like I do, um, you know, then that's not really an issue. Yeah. Um, um, The other things that I would have to mention about this match was like they were really landed into each other, which was awesome. Um, you know, obviously I didn't think Sheeta was going to win, but this was like, Sheeta was the one who could give Jamie that sort of match that can main event a live episode of TV and get people talking and get people caring. And I, you know, and obviously ratings, whatever, but I think like that quarter hour for the show went up like 150,000 viewers from like the previous quarter hour. So like, it's a draw if it's good. You know, and I'll say this, you know, with the post-match shenanigans, uh, you know, Boar, I'd, uh, I'd I'd keep an eye on my back. I think Soraya might be coming for your crown. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, and, uh, listen, Adam, uh, can I can I get a little greasy with you? Oh, by all means, buddy. Happy yeah. to have you on board. Let's do this. Okay. Um, listen, I'm just making a statement, Okay. Uh, respectful statement, I'm sure. Very, very respectful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Since becoming the champion, uh, Jamie Hader's pants aren't as tiny as they used to be. <laughs> That's just, again, we'll do with that information what you will, right? <laughs> sure. Uh, big fan of uh, like not on Dynamite. I think it was on Rampage, but uh, like suit coat or sports jacket. Sheeta, that that's mm-hmm. a good look as well. Uh, yeah. I'm a fan of that. That's what made me think that uh, I had to change my rankings. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing I want to talk about is uh, from SmackDown this past week. And this would be the segment that everyone's been talking about. You know, they had the shirts there for this person. Uh, it was a big moment on SmackDown, even so much that one of the writers was teasing it. 
uh, earlier in the day saying like, oh boy, you better watch SmackDown this week, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the uh, on-screen, in-building debut of Uncle Howdy. <laughs> so, if you remember from last week's SmackDown, as we all do, um, L.A. Knight put on his detective hat and figured out, like, oh, here's all these times where I got beaten up backstage, but here, look in the background, there's an Uncle Howdy mask. Or like, oh, here it is again, and here it is again. So he goes into his locker room. It was the show image last week, or it was the 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 Bray Wyatt shirt, and the lights go out, and then he puts his cell phone camera light on, and then he sees you know someone in the thing, and then uh, right before SmackDown last week, World Wrestling Entertainment's TikTok got hacked with that video. Oh, they got hacked. I, I hope they got the, the the access to the account back. That's what Michael Cole said. Um, and it was definitely not a fetish video. Um, it was Uncle Howdy had L.A. Knight taped up and duct taped in a room and was very seductively touching his face and chest. Again, <laughs> I'm just saying not a fetish video, but a um, kidnapping video, I guess. How many times do you watch that video, Joe? About five or six times. <laughs> um, so then L.A. Knight comes out and he calls Bray Wyatt to come out and Bray Wyatt comes out. Uh, L.A. Knight beats up on uh, Bray Wyatt, and then all of a sudden, Uncle Howdy comes out. And Uncle Howdy just comes out in, the, like, the staging area, mm-hmm. and he's holding the lapels of his jacket, and then he tips his hat, and then we go to commercial. Um, <laughs> I make a lot of excuses for this angle, because I like L.A. Knight a lot, uh-huh. um, but this is really bad. Yeah. I, I hate the fact... That for a long time, I really liked Bray Wyatt. And man, like, I, I don't want, I'm sure he's fine with money. You know, like, I, I don't want to speak for the guy, but like, I kind of wish that he never came back because this is all ruining him in my mind. We're further and further removed from the, the Wyatt family and we're, we're far removed from the, uh, the Fiend and Firefly Funhouse, which I was a defender and apologist of. But I hate every second of this. When I saw like the the laughing, like the the chuckling that wasn't matching the the laughing that was going over the radio or the, over the PA, very Shockmaster esque. Yeah, and uh, him doing the tip of the hat, my lady, with the top hat that has barbed wire around it. Oh man, I hated all that. Like that was one of those things a lot of people talk about, like being embarrassed to watch wrestling. Like, can you imagine somebody walking in that's not a wrestling fan and catching you watch that? I'm glad I live alone and that I would not be caught watching that, but because I was legitimately embarrassed that I was watching it. I wouldn't say I was embarrassed watching it, but I could recognize that like this is completely off the rails at this point. And I think it was Joe Gagney who does a five star match game. Uh, he had he had tweeted out saying that it's an amazing feat that somehow Bray Wyatt is going to win worst angle of 2022 without having wrestled a match in 2022. Yeah, because he hasn't wrestled yet. He returned at what the September pay per view. Yeah, whatever. Uh, like, Extreme Rules in Philly, I think, was September, right? You're asking the wrong person. All right. It's almost like we do a wrestling show where we talk about these things. <laughs> do you not know me by now? 
I do know you. Tim and Marcus now. can tell you what the third match was on a, on a, a backlash pay-per-view from 2007. I can't tell you what the third match was from a show last night. Touche. Um, but yeah, Bray Wyatt has been back in WWE for about three months now, and he's on TV pretty much every week and has not wrestled a match yet. <sighs> it's for the best. I guess. So that's all I got. Yeah, me too. That's all I got. Uh, so let's get into what you assigned from last week. Yay. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. So, the movie that Adam assigned this week, uh, and if you did not watch it, and again, we call you the lucky ones, uh, was Christmas Bounty from 2014, uh, starring Mike the Miz Mizanin, and a bunch of other people who no one cares about. Uh, go to Kevin Hellion's blog at MassLibrary.com for his full write-up of this. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed in Kevin. Like, I feel like he didn't like the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, Adam, I have to take you back. This movie is from 2014, but I have to take you back 20 years prior to t- 1994. Okay? Do you remember... Th- the glut of Saturday Night Live spinoff movies we were getting in the 90s. Yeah, like Coneheads and, you know... Wayne's, Wayne's World. World. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So, Pat. <laughs> right, okay, perfect. So, 1994, we get It's Pat the Movie, okay? Mm-hmm. The runtime of It's Pat the Movie is 77 minutes, okay? <laughs> now, you're talking to someone who at that time and still to this day watches a lot of what we still call direct-to-video trash, okay? Yeah. And when I saw a movie that got, albeit a limited, but a theatrical release in It's Pat the Movie, and its runtime was less than 80 minutes, I'm like, what the hell piece of garbage is this movie? That, like, this is literally all, like, we couldn't even scrape together another usable, like, X amount of minutes, right? Mm Mm-hmm. This movie, Christmas Bounty, is 73 minutes long. But to be fair, I feel like this was released originally on USA Network because it clearly has commercial breaks in it. Yes, it clearly does. Yes. So, like, if it's an hour 13 or whatever the runtime was, you know, that's an hour and a half with commercials. Maybe you could pad it out to two hours if you if you really get frisky. Right. So I'm going to give you just the bare bones plot of this movie, and then we'll get into, like, all the remarks that I have about this movie, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Girl, her name's Tori. I don't care what these actors' names are, right? I feel bad for them. (laughs) Um, Not only are they in a World Wrestling Entertainment film, but they're also in a movie with The Miz, okay? (laughs) Mikey Uh, Muscles, get it right. (laughs) So uh, she is a, a teacher... Uh, at a fancy school in New York, she has a fancy life. She's gonna she's uh, gonna be engaged to this banker, um, but she gets a phone call that her old life is creeping back, looking for her. And she's from New Jersey, 
from a family of bounty hunters, okay? Mm-hmm. And the banker goes looking for her, and he gets caught up in her crazy world that she's torn between the life that she wants, which is the fancy New York life married to a banker, or the life that she left behind, the life of being a New Jersey Guido. Guidette? <laughs> is that what the lady version of a Guido is called? Uh, sure. And along all of this, we have the woefully miscast as a New Jersey Guido bounty hunter, Mike the Miz Mizanin, a.k.a. Mikey Muscles, who does a New Jersey accent in this movie for exactly one scene. And I feel like it was more of a Boston accent. It's okay. I don't know what the accent was, (laughs) but. He tries something in one scene, and the rest of the movie he just talks in his normal voice. Okay, yeah. Um. So this movie, I don't. So I don't want to say that this movie stinks because I've seen a lot of stinkers in my day, but this movie is definitely not good. Okay, it's very paint by numbers. It's very poorly done. You could see what they're trying to do. Like, did you get the feel? That Tori's parents were supposed to be like a dog, the bounty hunter, and whatever his wife's like knockoff are supposed to be. One hundred percent dog and Beth Chapman. Right. So I didn't again. I didn't even know fucking what her name was. Right. Yeah. Um. So we do get a like within the first five minutes of the movie, we get the beating over the head that this is going to be our plot contrivance, our MacGuffin, if you will, that's going to lead us through the whole movie. Where whatever the boyfriend's name is, who cares, right? Uh, uh, he's like, oh, we got separated. But luckily, because of this app, I could always find where you are. And you could always find where I am. <laughs> but they <laughs> yeah. never say what the name of the app is. It's just like, oh, it's this app. I think that was a feature built into Tout. <sighs> I don't know if this was a pre-Tout world that these people were living in, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, they go to, uh, his family's swanky Christmas party, um, and very much it's old money, but we get the bit where she's a school teacher, one of the kids go missing, and then she sees the kid getting loaded into a car, so she, like, James Bond's down after him, like, run along the side of the building, jumping down, and then you get a, uh, uh, you get a, uh, you see she's like wearing a skirt and then when she jumps down you can see the night spanks that she's wearing underneath <laughs> them and she jumps down on the car and like it was very clear like this is like the estranged father's coming to get the kid the kid's not being kidnapped or whatever it is um and then it's a whole thing of like oh well billy was hiding under the desk in the room right it's yeah, like she- She's hiding her old persona and abilities from her fiance. Right, but that's they're looking for the kid. So then she returns Billy to the mother, and it's just like, oh yeah, Billy was just hiding under the desk. And at no point do we get a part where like she nudges Billy and says like, right, Billy, because like Billy's like, no, my real dad tried to take me, right? <laughs> yeah. We well, I mean, she would have found out because she forced the dad to call the cops. So I think that the mom would have eventually heard. Anyway, yeah. So while she's at the fancy party, she gets a phone call uh, that Manucci, who she had put in jail for six years, has gotten out and he's coming for her, right? Yeah. And can I just say, can I stop there and just say this is really what threw me off 
he calls her and basically threatens her or just says, you know, like, I'm out. And he's like, don't you read the papers? And all of a sudden, uh, you know, our our main character decides, okay, we're going to go and we're going to attack. You know, we're going to go on the offense and we're going to get this guy. But unless I missed it, they never said until later in the movie when we have the wedding, we'll get to when we get to it, that he escaped prison. Because I'm like, okay, he got out of jail is all they said. Like, is he on parole? If he's on parole, like, these bounty hunters are committing assault, breaking and entering unlawful, like, detainment. Like, they're they're doing all the bad things because just this guy who you put in prison six years ago is not in prison anymore. It was very unclear that I guess he was on the lam. Right. So we get the bit where they're like, okay. Who knows where – so she goes home to Trenton. That's where we meet the mom and dad who are not dog, dog and Beth the bounty hunter. And mom comes down, and she's like, okay. She's wearing, like, little bippy shorts and, like, a like a, a low-cut top. And Tori acts like the mom came down, like, naked. Yeah, well, it's that New York Manhattan sensibility that is permeated into her consciousness. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, okay. Who's going to know where Minucci is? Big Donna. So we got to trail Big Donna. Where is Big Donna? She's going to be at the mall because she's a Jersey girl. And then they find her car at the mall and her license plate says Jersey girl, right? Yeah, makes sense. Now, now, it's not until 11 and a half minutes into the movie before the Miz shows up, okay? Yeah. So all of this has happened in the first 11 and a half minutes of the movie, okay? So... Big Donna goes to the mall, goes to the manicurist at the mall with a team of bodyguards. Definitely not conspicuous. So now, not Dog, not Beth, and The Miz have to take out the bodyguards because, uh, quote, they won't let the bodyguards in the treatment rooms at the nail salon. But, um... Uh, Tori will be able to easily go in there until she's made by her old friend from back in the day, Lizzie the Legs. That gets them to drop the dime. Big Donna tries to make a getaway. She goes down one set of escalator, like she's coming up the escalator the right way, where Tori's going the wrong way to try to cut her off. And then when Donna gets to the top, she goes down, and then Tori's there to cut her off. The entire family is there to stop her, and they spent all this time causing a huge scene in the mall, beating up three large men <laughs> that everyone around them at this busy mall is just ignoring, except for the one guy that the Miz is beating up. The Miz is like, oh, he just slipped, right? Yeah. So they do all this thing. They have Big Donna cornered, and Big Donna's like, I haven't done anything. You haven't. You can't do anything to me. And they're like, oh, she's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I think uh, I forget what the main character's name, uh, uh, Belle. Uh, she Corey. she like hugs Big Donna and just slips the inconspicuously slips the the pager like the giant TV remote control tracker into the purse. Right. Um. So the reason that uh, Minucci escaped from prison is so that he could be there for when his sister Big Donna gets married. Do we ever see the guy that Big Donna is marrying at any point? 
I don't think so. And also, like, the fact that the wedding was in the warehouse, like the crime warehouse, leads me to believe that that could have probably been postponed to any time. Like, it's not like, oh, man, we have this wedding scheduled for the 5th of December in this warehouse. I better break out of jail to get there. You know, it's not like, oh, it was on the books already. Well, she wanted a Christmas wedding. Yeah. And Manucci and all the other crime people that were there couldn't be like a place in public. So... At least in the story contrivances, I'll give you that, okay? Yeah. So because of the tracker app that is also unnamed, the the boyfriend is able to track Tori to Trenton, right? Yeah. So now the movie shifts focus from being the movie about this family of bounty hunters trying to get Minucci, trying to get Big Donna, that they're all trying to do their bounty hunting stuff while the boyfriend is around, but not tip him off that Tori is involved with this. And what better way to do so is to have a gunfight at a public tree lot in Trenton. Yeah, and bef- before you get to that, I just want to say it's clear that Minucci is like this mobster who wants to kill the Bells, you know, or at least kill Tori. But everything bad that happens to Tori and her friends and families happens when they go on the offensive. Like, he's not bothering anybody. At first, he's just chilling, eating some Except for the threatening phone call. Yeah, and again, maybe that was a rib. Uh, Like, he's just eating pasta in a warehouse, and then he's counting money at a Christmas tree, uh, like, lot. He, and then he's he's at a wedding. Like, leave him alone. He's not doing anything. You know, so everything bad that happens to him is is the bells going after him. So they kind of bring it on themselves. I'd be hard pressed to disagree with that. Yeah, but before you get to the Christmas tree thing, where uh, where uh, Tori's fiance gets kidnapped, we have the bar scene where they're, like, celebrating the engagement and, like, the the very awkward, I'm going to ask your father's uh, permission to, to propose right in front of you and have that, that whole thing was very awkward and quick. But at this point is where we figure out that the Miz is, like, in love with her. And yes. they, they used to date and, like, he's still holding on to feelings and he hasn't dated anybody since she left to go to New York, like, five years ago. And... I'm like, all right, I've seen, maybe not seen the movies, but I've seen the commercials and I know the trope. And the trope is that, you know, when she went to New York, she should be engaged to like the mean, like business first, money happy person who's kind of neglecting her. And then when she goes back home to her small town or hometown, like that's where somebody from her past teaches her the true meaning of Christmas or whatever. But like, the Miz is just kind of her ex, but the boyfriend, other than being a complete idiot, hasn't done anything to kind of like make her eyes waver, if that makes sense. But but more importantly, it doesn't give us the audience like someone for us to root for her to go with. Yeah, like, because you, you don't want to be like, oh, I hope she ends up with The Miz because, like, her fiancé hasn't – he's been nothing – again, other than an idiot, he's been very loving and affectionate, you know? Yeah, he's very clueless to, like, whatever this, like, bounty hunter Trenton world is. But, like, when they go to the engagement thing at the dance, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to drink what her friends are drinking and I'm going to do what her friends are. He's doing it in a very accommodating way of, like – 
well, if this is her life, yeah. then I need to, like, assimilate myself to it. And then we don't get any sort of thing about the Miz bettering himself. You know, maybe inspired by her that he lost her. So it's like, well, I don't want this to happen again until like the last five minutes of the movie where we find out that he's been taking pre-law courses <laughs> at the community college, you know? Yeah, like it'd be one thing if the fiance was like, all right, this is all well and good, but, you know, Monday we're going back to New York and you're leaving this all behind you. And then she yeah. has to have that moral conundrum. So that's why I say this movie is not good because – like, they have the usual, like, tropes in a movie like this and do nothing with them. They give you no – it's a very wishy-washy movie, right? Yeah. Um. So then okay, – I will give the movie this. There was one bit that made me laugh was when all the mob people are showing up at the warehouse for the wedding and there's the gun check. And, <laughs> yes. she, and the the person working the table is taking individual guns and hanging them on a hook behind her. <laughs> yeah, I saw like that meat was a hooks. clever bit, <gasps> like meat hooks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I said, we get like we get the tree lot shootout, and the guy's still clueless. And again, I don't even know what the guy's name. Who cares, right? That's what his name is. Who cares? Yeah. So that causes him to get kidnapped by Manucci. Then there's a car chase. So there's, like, elements in here of, like, what these movies typically have, but it all feels soulless and with no purpose. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, I, I know that I'm doing a bit, and, you know, when I sometimes I'll recommend some bad stuff. When I was watching this, like, I had a grin on my face, and not because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm forcing Joe to watch this movie – I get that it's terrible, but sometimes bad movies are entertaining. And that's what I, I felt like at no point was I like, oh, my God, when is this over? It, it went by quick and we're not done with it. We have to completely detail the end of it. But I, I did enjoy watching. I'll never watch it again, but I don't feel like I was miserable at any point during it. Miserable? <laughs> Unintentional, but funny. <laughs> <laughs> I so I I do have a little bit of a different opinion because like as I mentioned this movie's 73 minutes long and it felt much longer. Ah, see I felt like it just flew by. No, no, it felt much longer because like you're setting up these like typical things and I'd be okay like WWF is like we're going to do a movie like this and we're going to hit all these tropes that you typically do. They set up the tropes, do nothing with them. Like if you know, like Lizzie the Legs is just there for like no reason, really, right? It's well, just like, she was the nurse that checked on the fiancé when he bumped his head. Oh, okay. So, um, we get the shootout at... So, the bo the boyfriend, the fiancé's kidnapped. He's still got the phone app that's unnamed that she could track him to where he is. So, they go to the warehouse while the wedding is going on. Again, we never see uh, Big Donna's fiancé, or he's never even named, right? They forgot to cast him, I guess. <laughs> Uh, there's a big shootout where uh, cakes and flowers can stop bullets. Like, they make the cake and flour explode, but you would think a bullet would go right through a cake or right <laughs> through flowers. But no, it was just making them explode in the shootout, right? Yeah, or there was probably nail files in the cake, you know, because they are, you know, right. con convicts and whatnot. And uh, another missed opportunity I'll say with this movie, the Miz's name in this movie is Mikey Muscles. Yeah. And there was no scene of him like with his shirt off. <laughs> yeah. And also during the shootout, uh, 
Tori runs out of bullets relatively quick, but she's got like Rob Liefeld pockets all over her. What's in those pockets, if not more clips? I'm very confused by that. Right. So uh, Minucci makes the deal. It's like, okay, I will give you the fiance. I'll let the fiance go, but Tori, you're coming with me, right? Mm-hmm. So she, the fiance is like, no, don't do it. Tori's like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then as they're leaving, she goes, three fingers means go. And he's like, what? And then she just does it. One, two, three. She just puts three fingers on her chest. And apparently that's a signal for the Miz to very badly edit, jump off the roof of the building onto them. And like she knocks the gun out of his hands. And then that's how they're able to get him. And it's at this point where we find out that he escaped from jail that he wasn't just out on regular leave or time served or parole or a one day leave to go to his sister's wedding or something, right? Yeah, because that's why they had the the wedding in the warehouse, because he actually apologized to his sister. He's like, I, I know this isn't the wedding you would hope for, but I can't be seen out in public. Right. But also, I just want to say during the little prisoner exchange thing there where, you know, the fiance was uh, given up in return for Tori, that uh, would have been another opportunity for the fiance to basically be like, take her, she's the one you want, just let me go. You know, like just all of a sudden show some cowardice to again give a reason for Tori to turn on him. Right, or less Tori, but us the audience. Exactly, somebody. So um, this is where we find out the Miz has been trying to better himself because Tori left him. Uh, Tori and the fiance have the conversation and he, and it's at this point, this is where they kind of try where he's like, Oh, how do I know that's really your name or what else are you keeping from me? And he's like, no, I get it. You know, I completely understand, but we can't be together because I understand your double life, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he literally just like turns around and then she goes running back into the arms of the Miz. Yeah. She rebounded really quick. Right. They're back at the parents' house. The parents say that they're going to go on uh, a honeymoon or something, but instead they end up getting uh, the Miz and Tori matching uh, Harvey Davidson's. No, I thought it was the the husband bought them like bikes for Christmas so they could take the bikes out on, on the honeymoon. Oh, whatever the hell it was. Yeah, because they're like, okay, now that Tori and the Miz are back and Tori's not going anywhere. We can now like kind of step away from the business and go on the honeymoon on these bikes. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Um, did this movie need to take place around Christmas? Absolutely not. They don't even really do anything with the Christmasness of the movie. It just happens to take place around Christmas. Uh, I mean, they hit a, a bodyguard's body in the the the, the boxes near right. Santa. So And there was a Christmas play at the beginning of the movie that the school Oh wait a minute. What happened to her her job as a teacher? Is she just gonna abandon those children? Yeah, like like oh fuck those kids. Right. <laughs> I'm sure they'll understand when like there's no teacher there for like the rest of the semester or ever. But I more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard, I'll say that much. That's a low bar. <laughs> And also, I don't know if you know this, uh, the the bad guy from this, he was the uh, in the tracksuit mafia in, in Hawkeye. Oh, good for him. He's, a, yeah, he's, he's making he, Disney money now. Yeah, <laughs> he was one of the main ones. Not not the one that had, was getting the relationship advice from Kate, but the the other one. But gotcha. uh, um, I'll just say, like, before we wrap this up. So 
I have been wanting to assign this since January of last year. I've been sitting on this. Ugh. And I'll tell you how I was watching How I Met Your Father on Ugh. Hulu. And uh, in addition to Hilary Duff, uh, the other Adam Van special on this was uh, Tori Bell. And I had IMDb'd her. I was like, oh, what else is she in? And I saw this Christmas bounty, and I was like, holy shit. And I debated assigning it in January just randomly, and I was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, We almost had a Christmas in July where (laughs) I was going to assign it over the summer. But I was like, I'll just wait until uh, Christmas proper. But I've been sitting on this for 11 months now. I'm glad that you were able to show that sort of that level of restraint, Adam. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. But I, like I said, not a movie I would ever tell anybody to ever watch, but I didn't hate it. Um, not as good as Santa's Little Helper, though. You know, you're right. Santa's Little Helper was better. Yeah. When we revisit that movie next year, uh, you know, maybe we'll be able to pick more things. Maybe there's a director's cut of Santa's Little Helper. Let's hope not. <laughs> All right. Same movie it is. Okay. Right. So, as I mentioned last week, I'll remind everyone here, uh, the, mo- the the what we'll be watching next week is the 1987 World Wrestling Entertainment Slammy Awards. Uh, it's available on YouTube. If you just search WWF Slammy Awards 1987, you'll find it. Yeah. Uh, listen, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's all that matters, you know? All right. All right. So let's get into the dozens of voicemails that we have. All right. All right. First up. Hey, guys. It's Dewicki. Uh It's Friday morning. I'm currently listening to this week's episode. Um, and I just wanted to say that I think, and I mean this in all seriousness, I think the Mandy Rose stuff was handled with as much class and taste and dignity by Adam as it would be. And I just wanted to congratulate him on that. So uh, I hope you guys have a good week. Uh, I'm looking forward to next week's show. Um, yeah, we'll talk to you later. I don't know if my audio cut out or if his did, but he said it was handled with as much class as what? Uh, his phone cut out. I didn't understand what he said. Okay. If, if I he think was, he was paying you a compliment. Yeah, if he was saying that I handled it with class, then uh, first of all, thank you. Second of all, of course, it's me. I'm a very classy person. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks to Wiki. I, and I don't know if you saw uh, that uh, Mandy Rose's manager or agent or whatever released a press release to uh, TMZ that in the last week since she's been fired, she'd made, she's made half a million dollars from her fake OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. And I, I've been following the story as it develops, like just because it's not like at the top of the news cycle, I have been keeping tabs on everything that Mandy's been doing the last week. Oh, sure, because you're a broadcast journalist. Just That's what I've been telling people. Right, and I don't know if, uh, well, I know you saw because I put it in the group chat, was that uh, poor Chelsea shut down her actual OnlyFans this week. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, because we all said that this Mandy Rose stuff isn't wasn't an overnight thing. Like, there were conversations that happened in the weeks and months leading up to it. I feel like that is, like, a new clause in contracts. Like, it might not have been there before. But, like, if they're drafting up a contract right now with female talent or even men, uh, they're probably saying, oh, by the way, uh, no more OnlyFans or anything like that. Right. And it needs to list, like, it needs to very specifically cite whatever. 
Yeah. And I'll say this. It was on the Kevin Nash podcast. Click this. Last week's episode, they were talking about the Mandy Rose situation. And they had a WWE contract that I'm sure they've changed. A WWE contract from 2017. Okay. And there were 64 items on that contract. Now, again, bear in mind, you're an independent contractor from contractor with the World Wrestling Entertainment. But you still need to sign a contract with them, right? Mm-hmm. And there was like 63 items of like things that you can't do as, as a WWE uh, sports entertainer, right? Like if you do any of these things, we could let you go out of the contract, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go through all 63 of the things, but the 64th thing was essentially or whatever we feel like. Yep. Yeah. So I'll yeah. tell you just as like somebody who's had lots of employees who worked for them, there's always a company thing that says like here are your job responsibilities, you know, 1 through 50, and then job responsibility number 51 is any other tasks as deemed by management. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the call, David. Yep. Next call. Hey guys, it's Charlie Butters. Um, just was watching some uh, old uh, WWE and was wondering your thoughts on this. Do you think if Mike Awesome didn't leave ECW and go to WCW and basically uh, do like the the 70s guy gimmick and shit like that, that when he eventually went to WWE, that they, he might have had a better spot on the card or been used differently and maybe been a main event guy? Um I, I personally uh, kind of hope that would have been the case, and he didn't really get uh, much love during the invasion angle. I know, like he won the hardcore title, and then he really just didn't do much after that. Um, but I think he was a way more talented guy that could have done a lot more. So, we're just curious your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, let me know. Uh, I'll take my answer on the pod because uh, that's the best place to take it. I uh, love you guys, and uh, hope to see you guys soon. Bye. Uh, very good question. I want to say, like, I loved Mike Awesome, and that's not a hot take. Like, Mike Awesome was awesome. Um, as far as him getting over in WWE, it all comes down to, in my opinion, how much support he got from, like, Vince. Like, if you paired him with Paul Heyman, you know, like, if you think of it, like, put Mike Awesome in the the role that Brock Lesnar had where you have Heyman as his mouthpiece because Awesome couldn't talk. Awesome was a terrible, terrible promo. But like if he had if he was a Paul Heyman guy and you had that as like a vehicle to get him over, I absolutely think that he would have been a top guy. If you just threw him out there like they did with like Lance Storm and then you have Steve Austin coming out and chanting boring during his matches, he would have been dead on arrival. It all depends on who had his back in the WWE. Right. That's a great point. Um, you know, obviously, he, if he does not leave ECW, and that's the big thing, is if he doesn't leave ECW, the plan was that they were setting up him versus RVD, okay? Yeah. And I think that would have been a fantastic ECW match, okay? But let's say he still doesn't leave ECW, and then everything else kind of happens the way that it does with the invasion or with WCW going out of business, ECW going out of business, WWE purchasing both or acquiring the assets, or whatever it is. Um, I think 
Mike Awesome leaving ECW the way that he did left a very bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. It showed a lot of people, and at the time that the invasion angle was going on, Paul Heyman had a lot of control, and by the time that they start doing, like, the one-night stands and stuff, he had a lot more control, you know, as a writer, as a creative name, or whatever it is. And because he left ECW in that way, he was doomed. But let's even take all of that out of it, right? The biggest thing that Mike Awesome had going against him was his size. And I'll say that in ECW, he was a monster. He was a giant guy. But if he co- when he goes to WWE, he's just like a regular-sized dude. He's not a giant guy. He's like maybe like an inch shorter than Billy Gunn. <laughs> yeah. And that would have completely exposed and taken away that one cool thing that he had, that he was like this giant killing machine. You know what I mean? Do you think Bob Holly was going to let Mike Awesome, like, awesome bomb him to the floor through a table? <laughs> Hell no. Right? And he could only wrestle, like, Spike Dudley so many times on the main roster before it's like, now what? You know? Yeah, so maybe he would have been better off staying in Japan or something right. like that. I, I think, all things considered, you know, and the only difference there is that he doesn't do the bad business with Paul when WCW and ECW go out of business. He goes to Japan. Yeah. And he's probably like a big star over there, you know? Yeah. And then maybe, maybe gets a run, you know, everybody that goes over to Japan, every, every Gaijin, you know, ends up coming. Yeah. You know, thank you for your call, Charlie. Yep. Next call. Hey, Joe and Adam, it is Kevin Ford. First and foremost, I want to wish you both a very Merry Christmas. To you and your families, and especially to Adam, I'm sure not working retail this time of year is sublime. Hell yeah. Uh, I have a Toy Boy question for you, and this came about because uh, Broski unboxed the Mr. T Ultimate on his uh, Patreon channel this week, and because through Ringside I got the Santana and Ortiz figures from, I think it's Unmatched Series 2, and these are figures that kind of get slotted as peg warmers or the, you know, the, the LAX guys were discounted so heavily on rank side and Mr. T was discounted target. And I think just by the very nature of collecting, a lot of us have like our lists, we get our stuff and then we either tote it or put it on display or whatever. And then we kind of move on and we wonder what's next. But we don't take time to like appreciate some of those things. And man, I know that they maybe get a bad rap or timing was bad, based on what they are on television, but those Santana and Ortiz figures are awesome. And I think that Mr. T Ultimate is about as perfect as a figure as you could possibly get. So is there a figure in your collection or something along those lines that either, you know, maybe you overlook or don't feel like you get appreciated enough, or maybe you appreciate it, but maybe don't feel like it gets the love it deserves at large? Just something I was thinking about this week with, uh, with those particular figures. Because I think that's just a very normal thing with collecting. You get what you have, and then you think about what's next. Or maybe you spend a little more time kind of opining about, oh, here's the guys we don't have, versus looking at a a particular line and being like, my goodness, we have a lot of really cool people. Uh, So thanks so much again for taking my call. Hope you gentlemen have a wonderful weekend. See ya. Merry Christmas, Kevin. Um, I'm surprised he didn't ask Fig Daddy Cool this question. I feel that that's more up his his alley. But uh, um, I I think I I agree with him that Santana and Ortiz for nine bucks, man. Like, oh, I I want to get one more ringside order in before Christmas. But I don't know if I want to spend $60 to get the free shipping. Um, 
for me, I'm running out of space, and I say that all the time, and I think people think it's a bit, but like I have figures hidden behind figures hidden behind figures. So when it comes to appreciating, like a lot of times I'll be trying to put stuff away and I'll have to rearrange and I'll discover wrestling figures that I completely forgot I had. You know, like I'll be like, oh my, this was a figure that I really wanted and was excited to get a year ago. And I don't even see it anymore because it's behind like three layers of elites. So I kind of rediscover different figures every time and nothing, no one thing in particular. But uh, I think when I get, when I go and rent my apartment that I use as like a figure display place uh, and I have the ability to spread stuff out more, I'll be able to appreciate stuff more. But uh, I agree though. Santana Ortiz figures are awesome. Uh, yeah, and, you know, obviously I don't collect as much as you guys do, and everything I have is still in box, I just haven't hung it up on the walls yet, um, but I sit there and I see all these guys, like, getting, you know, these super discounted things, and I, on one hand, I feel bad that these figures are getting such discounted, and I know Jazzwares tried to get a variety of figures out, and... I'm not a business person, I'm not a toy person, but this is some growing pains that Jazzwares and Ringside and everyone else has to go through to try to figure out, like, what the best figures to put out there and how often to put figures out there. Like, one of the things was like, man, we're going to get tons of product out and you're not going to be able to, um, you know, not so much as keep up with it, but, like, you're never going to have a want for AEW figures. Like, we're going to get variations of figures out and we're going to have two different lines running at every time i maybe have seen aew figures in the wild less than 10 times in the last two years right Mm -hmm. and a lot of them go to these secondary sites like a ringside collectible and then ringside collectible orders high on these things and now we're selling them for pennies on the dollar yeah um so it's not so much as my collection but like i feel bad that like I would love to buy those Santana and Ortiz figures because they are super cool. And I can't pass up that $8 price. The Mr. Brody Lee, uh, what, Unrivaled 3, I think? Yeah, it's uh, five bucks. It's five bucks. You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't I just go and buy, like, ten of them just to have them, you know? Yeah, have a l- couple Lucy's, throw right. a couple put away, you know? But then I just think to myself, I'm like, I don't have the space and I don't have that compulsion, like, other people on the show do <laughs> that like I need to get another order in before Christmas Adam go do like go order you know 12 Brody Lees and there's your $60 shipping right <laughs> I currently have two Brodies I mean two of that Brody I don't need it plus two more chases right <laughs> so I don't need any more of the regular ones but if I did I jump on it yeah um yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of there's figures that are like five dollars, eight dollars, ten dollars that like, for example, that one of three thousand storm collectible Liger, which is now finally sold out, thankfully. But it was ten dollars. And yeah. I'm like, I don't need a Liger figure at no point in my life. As I have I ever said, oh, I need a Jushin Thunder Liger figure, especially not one based on his debut debut attire. But I'm like, it's ten dollars. Yeah. So like, uh, I'm glad that I, I pumped the brakes on that. But uh, as far as Santana and Ortiz go, uh, and, and the thing about them being peg warmers, uh, I'm pretty sure they're getting paid 
whether ringside sells it for thirty dollars yeah. they sell it for four dollars so don't feel bad for them uh if anything when you go and buy the set for nine dollars you're probably helping them out more than it just collecting dust in the warehouse you know right but uh, thanks for the call sir yes thank you and uh, have a merry christmas this weekend next call hey guys it's the wiki i'm calling to uh leave my nominee for uh, the gender-neutral uh, Monarch of Adods tournament um, for the Hit My Music podcast. We're going to go with somebody who was actually a guest on Hit My Music and you know has had a really good year, uh, Jaden Newman, uh, who I believe won the SCI this year. So, uh, yes, Jaden Newman officially entered into the, the Adods uh, gender-neutral Monarch tournament. Talk to you guys later. Bye. All right, cool. Uh, so, I oh. guess this is how people are submitting this information for the tournament. They're calling in. Uh, I said last week that uh, people can call in. They can DM me. They can mention it on their podcast. Uh, I'm sure you know we haven't finished the calls yet. I'm sure more people will uh, let let us know. And I also got a couple messages from some folks. So, uh, we might have the first eight competitors known by the end of this episode. We'll see. All right. Well, again, when when I hope you're taking notes because, like I said, I don't screen these calls beforehand. You know, I have it all right in front of me. Yep. All right. Next call. Okay, so so I, I'm going to go with uh, with Derek Dillinger. I, I I mean, why is there a surprise there? I, I he's the only one for for this show. No, I, I highly disagree. I think we should go with Wes Barkley. Wes Barkley had a had a monster year. He gotten. AEW dark matches. He just got that win over Broke. Yeah, he got that momentum rolling. We need to ride that that wave with him. I mean, I think it should be Alex Price. Of course you would. What, what, what do you mean? Because of course I would. You're not. You're not picking Alex Price for ability here. Let's be honest. But I he's mean, very good. I mean, Derek Dillinger is very good. Which is, I mean, could we go with anybody better? He's a champion in multiple federations. He he has he he's just as handsome as Alec Price, and he has Ziggy with him. I mean, get, come on with, now. Come on, we can go with better than Derek. We can go with Wes Barkley. He he got the ability of Derek Dillinger. He got the good look of Alec Price. He got that total package. And again, we need Be- to ride that way. Better than I- Derek. Have you listened to yourself? My God. I still want to know I'm being called out about. Thank you very much. No, I, 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 I really think Derek Dillinger is Guys, 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 I got the perfect idea. We're going to pick Derek Dillinger. Nobody would <laughs> think the, that it's going to happen, and it's perfect. What the fuck, dude? What? what? I just said that. Nobody fucking listens to you, Josh. Trust me, this is how it's going to go. It's going to be perfect. We're going to win the whole thing again, and we're going to get another cool prize. God damn it. Look at the way you walk. Look at the way I talk. Where is the problem? Because niggas be throwing with salt. Man, that I got the sauce. I'm on the Hollywood holding in Randy Moss. Niggas are getting lost. Proof that. Proof that we don't screen things in advance, but uh, that was our friends from Indie Wrestling Guide with, uh, I think they did a little bit, Joe. <laughs> yeah, they did a little bit. I don't know how everyone got on the call at once and were able to put produ- post-production music in there, but kudos to you. Uh, again, Adam, I hope you're taking notes on all this, right? Yep, Derek Dillinger, all the right. uh, former intense champion and before uh, Broski came in. Oh, Jesus. That's not... Anyway, stop it. <laughs> Fucking broski. All right. Uh, next call. Hey, Adam Joe. It's the other 2 here. 
Um, so it's the holiday season. We've got um, family coming in, and usually that coincides with uh, people bringing uh, their uh, new partners. Um, anyways, um, speaking of uh, that general topic, um, it's very interesting. I want to talk about the new developing phenomenon of the explosion of milk-related content. Um, recently, there was that TLC um, promo for that uh, TLC uh, show, uh, Milk Manor, where we're all pretending that we're going to be surprised by the fact that it's going to be uh, the Milk Sons on there and a, you know, that's the red style thing. Uh, super weird. TikTok also has like a milk trend where, you know, teens are like dressing up their moms like they are, you know, wild. Alrighty. Well, love you, love the show, love you all the time. <laughs> Thank you, other JB. <laughs> what was the question in there? It was just milf talk. <laughs> um, being that I'm a pure and I don't know what he's talking about, I don't know what that. I I don't want to Google what milf means. No. <laughs> um, but I will say, um, I'm. I will say when I see the same person in a video that's labeled as teens and also labeled as a milf, I uh, think there's some dishonesty going in the labeling of videos online. Yeah, I see. In my research, I found that a lot of times, like you know, I'll be watching a video and like there'll be like a teen that's struggling. Like they don't know like how to perform a task, but then luckily the MILF comes in and teaches them. And that's like the crux of those videos. I'm very out of the loop of pornography, (laughs) but thank you for your call. Yes. Hello, gentlemen. Kevin here. I hope that you guys are doing well. I'm not quite sure how, Pennsylvania is going to be hit by this bomb cyclone thing. Um, New York is looking like it might be pretty rough. And I'm hoping to be on the road to go see my family early tomorrow morning. And you two will be accompanying me for that trip as I listen to you along my drives. So uh, Christmas bounty has come and went. We had Kent as a little helper last year. My question this week, if we had a third Christmas movie, what would it be? would your Christmas movie be? I would like to see The Miz in a version of A Christmas Carol, where he plays Scrooge, and he's visited by three Christmas wrestling ghosts. Uh, Christmas Present has to be Mick Foley. Christmas uh, Future, I think I would pick Bray Wyatt. (laughs) And Christmas Past, I'm not quite sure uh, who would be a good one for that. I'm, I'm, I'm still workshopping this one. And, you know, the myth just finds the true meaning of Christmas, and somehow they just throw in Maurice at the end for him. Uh, Tiny Tim, maybe Austin Theory. You know, but anyways, <laughs> uh, still, still thinking this through. Um, give me your own Christmas wrestling, Christmas movie idea here. Looking forward to the show, guys. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Talk to you both later. Uh, Merry Christmas. I love that idea. Like, I think it needs to be your your ghost of Christmas past needs to be like an old timer. Like, I know Mick Foley's not a spring chicken, but, you know, somebody like prior to like even like Hogan's generation, you know, like just so you could have the the three generations there. But uh, I don't know. Christmas movie for The Miz, Joe, what's a where do you want to stick them? Don't sit in the garbage. So we're so. 
where I would want to stick him is I want to just kind of go off Kevin's thought. I like the Christmas Carol idea. We're going to move Mick to be in the Ghost of Christmas Past. We're going to put John Morrison as the Ghost of Christmas Present. And we're going to put like Uncle Howdy specifically as the Ghost of Christmas Future. (laughs) <laughs> and we're going to get uh, Damien uh, Sandow as Jacob Marley. <laughs> okay. Uh, I could see that. Uh, you know what just popped into my head? It's, it's a cliche thing. I want to have a Christmas vacation redo where the Miz is Clark W. Griswold. Okay. So here's my thought process. I'm kind of in the same ballpark as you, where it has to be a thing where it's the Miz as the character he plays on wrestling television, okay? Yeah. But also the Miz as the character that he plays on his reality show, okay? Yeah, it, oh, just and Beverly D'Angelo is just Maurice, and <laughs> the kids you can change in every movie and every no, sequel. No, no, no. So the the <laughs> idea is is that the Miz, like. We're throwing in elements of, like, a Christmas vacation, but we're also throwing in elements of, like, let's say, um, Jingle All the Way, okay? Where the Miz has to get some sort of hot present for his kids, but he has to work out getting that present with part of his wrestling schedule. So you can get a bunch of cameos, you get a bit of, like, he goes and sends some, like, road like some stage hand or something or like some producer out to get whatever the hot toy is while he goes out and has his match and they get the wrong thing okay well we're gonna go to the next town so it's a road movie because they're going to all these different towns for house shows and raws and pay-per-views and stuff like that and it's like oh um and then you can this is how you can cameos in there right it's like oh you know, Raw's in this town, but then we're going to be in this town, and then he's mapping it out. He's like, okay, in between here, there's a toy store there, right? And he goes to the toy store to go get the thing, and turns out, like, Broski's there as a cameo, and he just bought the toy, right? And Miss like, you don't even have any kids! And Broski's <laughs> like, you know how much I could flip this on whatnot for, dude? You know, whatever, right? So then it's just like this whole whole thing where Miz is fighting really hard to try to get this toy these toys for the kids but the thing that their kids really want is their dad home for Christmas it's beautiful yeah <laughs> it's a Christmas fig hunt I love it All right so uh, that's the name of the movie a Christmas fig hunt yeah and there's like a play is like figs also something Christmas related yeah like, like figgy pudding or some shit exactly right? oh I like it let's all let's right. trademark this before this goes live I was gonna say I'm cutting this all out of the show so nobody steals my idea <laughs> our idea our idea yeah you you get a you get a a, a story by credit you know <laughs> executive producer that's all executive producer sure <laughs> thank you for your call Kevin be safe out there I didn't know the snow was gonna be this bad in like uh New York you know yeah but be safe out there uh next call hello this is the strongest man in all the land arthur MacArthur. sorry it's been a while since i've called and kind of been going for some stuff you know i'm gonna get things figured out but i'm still here you know um tomorrow i'm assuming that by the time this podcast drops it'll be the most sacred day of the year no i'm not talking about christmas i'm talking about festivus a festivus for the rest of us and the spirit of Festivus, I think we need to bring some of that into this into this uh, show. Obviously, we can't do the feats of strength as um, like a call, 
But I think we have to do the airing of grievances. You know, I think you guys have a lot of problems with some people, and people got to hear about it. So whatever's on your mind, groping, whatever, gripes, all that, let's hear it. Let's air those grievances. And I hope you all have a great Festivus. But in all seriousness, I hope you all have a great uh, Christmas or Hanukkah, whatever you guys celebrate. Be blessed. Man, this is tough because I'm like a nice guy who likes everybody. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> um, I'll say, first of all, I'm going to air a grievance towards the new owners of the, the block of property in Cleveland that now own the Odeon who went and canceled uh, the show this week and they had to uh, move to Akron. I don't know. Yeah, let it play out, I think. I think there's a bigger conspiracy going on there. Oh, <laughs> sound like potato. <laughs> um, what grievance do I have? Um, so I have a grievance. You know, obviously tomorrow or Friday, as a lot of people are listening to this, is Festivus, and there's an LVAC show, and the show was originally supposed to be on a Saturday, and it got moved, or it was supposed to be next Friday, the thirtieth, and it got moved to this Friday. Um, and obviously with the inclement weather upon us. Um, I've already been told by some people that they're not going to be there, or there's a very good chance that they're not going to be there. So I'm kind of bummed that a lot of people that I'm looking forward to seeing there aren't going to be there, and I completely get it. Uh, still doesn't suck any less. Um, you know, it's the last show for LVAC of the year. So, you know, it's going to be my last time getting a chance to see a lot of people. And, like, as the weather gets worse and, you know, there are people, and we're going to run down the card a little bit later on, uh, there are people coming from that New York area, and if things are going to get hit that bad, like, they're probably not going to be there, you know? Yeah. So thanks for reminding me of that, already. Yeah, thanks for bringing us all down. That's right. Just kidding. Regular, regular <laughs> Debbie Downer. <laughs> I'll see you at family Christmas, already. Oh, <laughs> it's all mirrors all around, that's why. <laughs> all right, next call. Hello, Joe. Hello, Adam. This is once again Justin Summers with what's becoming my weekly question here. And I want to know, what is your top 20 favorite video games of all time? Mm. Now, for me, like if I would do it like number 20, okay, I'm kidding again. We're not doing that. I do have a very easy question for you, though. Since it's uh, Christmas this weekend, I want to know what comes to mind... When I say Christmas and wrestling, you know, besides, you know, the movie that you, you, you just talked about and Santa with muscles, which is actually on my list to watch this year, but kind of thinking presents, what presents come to mind for me? There's two. I know I got over the years, way more than two things. And they're both video game related, partially because when I first thought of this question, it was going to be to the game works podcast, but I never really asked them. Two video games that I know I got for Christmas. Two wrestling video games that I know I got for Christmas. One is WCW Nitro. This game is well known of sucking. But what made this game even worse for me is I got it for PC. Not necessarily PC gamer, but, you know, it was just I, I kind of had to make do because I didn't have a PlayStation or even an N64. But the computer that I used was slow and this game was very slow it felt like one frame a second if that 
probably was a little faster, but it just bottom line horrible. The other one is WWE SmackDown. Shut your mouth. And oddly enough, the reason why I remember this, well, earlier that year, I got WWF SmackDown Just Bring It for the PlayStation 2. Love the game. Within that year, I basically had my PlayStation 2 stolen from me. Long story short, uh, I was letting friends in my neighborhood borrow it. I let the wrong friend borrow it, and I used that word very loosely because they were a newer friend and they didn't live in my neighborhood. And then after I let him borrow it, he tried to tell me that it was stolen. And shortly after that, he moved. What makes this even worse is, you know, at the time this system came out, you know, I was like 15, 16. And this newer friend was older. He was an adult. Early 20s, probably. Can't remember. And I never told my parents. So for this particular Christmas... I get this PS2 game and I have to act excited, but I didn't have a PS2 to play it on and I never ever played it and still haven't played it to this day. But yeah, that's uh two wrestling Christmas presents that I think of or came to mind. What gifts come to mind for you? And before I go, there's a whole matter of the gender neutral monarch of at odds with wrestling. Now, this is something that I did not think of or I didn't have an answer to until within the last half hour. And I'm recording this on Friday, Friday evening, Thursday before the deadline. And uh, I thought of a lot of names. I looked through the past three years of brackets. Some people that I, I kind of thought of were used one year or another. Um, I've looked at like who's won and like what what connects them all or what attributes can I find within a pick? And I had a lot, you know, with this being like kind of a Chikara biased group thought about maybe going, you know, someone from Chikara or even someone from Eastern Pennsylvania or New Jersey, just like right around that area. So I knew like people would vote for them or do do I want to go with somebody that I've had on wrestling cheers? And there's a lot there. I mean, I got a good amount of people that I could pick from that. Who is it already? Maybe I got backup picks for maybe even next year. Or if someone else picks my pick. But I decided if I'm going to pick anybody, I was going to pick Jeff Jarrett. But Joe took that from me last week. But if I picked Jocelyn last year, then I have nobody else that comes close to picking one of the toughest members of the AIW roster that has yet to be picked in this tournament. If they were picked by somebody else during voicemails, my bad. I had, like I said, I have backup picks, but if I picked Jocelyn last year, then this year, the at odds with wrestling gender neutral monarch tournament has a problem. And he is from Detroit, Michigan. It is none other than Isaiah Broner. I mean, is there anybody better? I think not. So uh, hopefully no one else takes that pick. And uh, yeah, I will catch you guys next week. 
Hope you have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all the listeners. Later. Uh, Summers, you are good. Nobody else has taken Browner. And uh, God, I would love to see Broner just squash Jeff Jarrett like in a second. Oh, but I, I'm sure Isaiah would just drag it out and bloody up that carny fuck. Uh, it'd be a good time. But uh, uh, Christmas wrestling gifts, Joe. Uh, my only thing is when I was maybe 10, 11, when I was collecting Hasbros as a kid. Uh, I remember like cutting the checklist off the back of the cards. You know, you get the figures and it would show all the pictures of the previous uh, figs and just uh, handing them out to like my grandparents and my aunts and my uncles where I would cross out the wrestlers that I have. And then they would have to go and get me the other people uh, for Christmas. And I never got Andre. He was always hard. I never got Dusty. I never got any of the bigger guys because they were hard to find. But that's how I got all my Christmas wrestling figures back in the day. Uh, Again, as an old, uh, I very vividly remember it would have been Christmas of 84 when the LJNs came out. And having a twin brother, we would get like a kind of a group gift, if you will. Yeah. Um, it would have been like, I guess, 83, maybe 82. I forget, like, whatever they came out. But, like, when the Return of the Jedi figures came out, yep. we got the C-3PO carrying case. And it was just filled with the entire set of the figures, right? Like, all the figures were just already open. They were already in there, right? And it was for us to share. So, 84 Christmas, uh, we get the, LJ, the LJN ring. We get Hogan, Piper, John Studd, and Andre. Uh, and then, like, as the years went on, like, we got, like, pretty much all of them. But I very vividly remember, like, coming down Christmas morning, the ring set up with those four figures in it. Cool. Uh, top 20 video games? <laughs> uh, Mega Man 2, a um, bunch of the Pokemon games. Uh, but, yeah, Mega Man 2, let's say. Yeah. I- I'm going to – recency bias. And I always get accused of this, but I don't care. I'm very – uh. The, I have played from start to finish these games probably 10 times in the last four years. And that's uh, uh, Bioshock Infinite, The Last of Us, and uh, um, Uncharted 4. Like those games, like I just played The Last of Us 1 and 2 maybe at the beginning of my unemployment, like eight months ago. Uh, in preparation of the show... I'm going to play them both again probably within the next week or two. So, uh, love them. Yeah, I'm pretty out of it when it comes to, like, more recent video games. I'm aware of both of those games. I know they exist. Um, But uh, I don't know. I got nothing to watch, like, TV-wise. Like, that's appointment viewing uh, for quite some time. I might give a look to that Last of Us TV show. That starts in, like, what, two weeks or something? Uh, Middle of January, sometime around there. But, uh, um. I can't say if they're going to fuck up the show. Supposedly, the guy who did uh, the Chernobyl miniseries, which was really good. Is, I'm aware uh, of that, yes. He's, he's like in charge of the show. And obviously, the Mandalorian is the main character, Joel. Uh, and supposedly, it's supposed to be pretty true to the game, unlike most video game-related TV shows and movies. And, uh, like, spoiler-free, but, like, Uncharted, that, that game is... While it has a lot of heart in certain places, it's just it's a very much like a gut punch of a video game. So it's like Walking Dead when Walking Dead was good, 
but like 10 times better. I, I can't sell the video game enough, so I hope the show's half as good. Yeah, with my kid getting a TV in his room and the Switch getting moved in there, like my video game playing is pretty much done, you know? Yeah. But yeah, check. I know uh, I've I've conned Todd into being willing to watch the show with me. So uh, maybe watch the first episode. Maybe you'll like it. Yeah, definitely. It's on. It'll be put on the list. There you go. All right, last call. Pink button time. Young Ed. Hey, John Adams. Ed. Um. Gender-neutral gender monarch time. I love it. It's a great time. It's one of my favorite fictional tournaments. Um, and, uh, like, you know, other years, Pavin didn't have a pick. Last year, Hook uh, was going to win it for us. But, uh, I don't know. Dane Housen's a fucking dork who doesn't have anything better to retweet. I don't know. <laughs> fucking true. loser. Um... But, yeah, our pick this year, I mean, it's the last year of Pavia Dam, and we all talked, and we decided that, like, this pick has to, like, definitely be a Pavia Dam legacy pick. Um, it has to be something that encompasses the entire spirit of Pavia Dam, and it has to be somebody who's been there for us from the start. Um, somebody, you know, like a, our spirit wrestler. <sighs> Great throat. Um... And that uh, choice has been made. It's Alabama Doink. We're picking Alabama Doink. I know he's dead, but he'll live forever in our hearts. Um, Joe's sad. I know. You, I, listen. It's Alabama Doink. I don't know what you want from me. Um, <laughs> he's going to win. Just do it. In memoriam. How nice would it be to his family to let, like, Alabama Doink's family know that, like, <laughs> he won this thing and people still still uh, care about him. Think about it like that, guys. Also, put us against Jeff Cherry. I wanted Jeff Cherry to lose to Alabama Doink so bad. That's all I really want in life. K-Y-E. <laughs> Are you telling me that a finals of Alabama Doink versus Jeff Jarrett doing a walk-in brawl? Through a Golden Corral parking lot wouldn't be five stars if that goal if that Golden Corral was also in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> Maybe I'll give Ed his wish and have them face off, but just in like the first round. <laughs> well, listen, you're in control of this. Thank that you for your call, Ed. Um, so with I'm, so with I just people say, calling I'm, in, oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say I'm surprised that since it's a legacy pick, a Pod Van Dam, they didn't just go with Cody Hall. Uh, listen, my money was on retitis, but again, what do I know? <laughs> but go ahead. I was saying, so uh, with the calls that we had in, um, do we have all eight sides of the bracket for whatever that is in the gender-neutral monarch here from the people that you've given invitations to? Well, I'll just say, Joe, I am legally not allowed to talk about the gender-neutral monarch tournament unless I hear the jingle first. Oh, I'm sorry. Gender-neutral monarch of at 
All right, Joe. So, yes, you asked me, do we have all of the entrants that we were promised? And we do. A few people reached out to me directly via DM. Uh, They did not want to call, nor did they want to sully their podcast with discussion of this. Uh, But just to recap before I announce those, already announced for the tournament, we have returning for the fourth time, and this is his year, I believe, but we have the boar. We have Joe's pick, which is double J. That's J E double F J A double R E double T. That's double J Jeff Jarrett, which is Joe's pick. Hit my music. We've heard uh, during the voicemail is Jaden Newman. Indie wrestling guide is Derek Dillinger. Wrestling cheers is Isaiah Broner. Pod Van Dam just announced that their pick is Alabama Doink, and. Representing We Need Wrestling is Max the Impaler. Oh, okay. I would have uh, assumed the boys would have went with Taguchi, but uh, all right. Hey, you know what? There's always next year. Sure. And finally, representing Final Wrestling Place. Uh, Actually, if I may, I'm going to take a moment so I can actually go and get what they said to me in DM because I feel like that was a very good explanation. So, uh, the final wrestling place delegation selects new to the world of indie wrestling and conventions, independent contractor out of Florida, recently released the true underdog, Mandy Rose. <laughs> okay. Place has selected Mandy Rose. So that is your first eight competitors, your first eight entrants into the gender neutral Monarch tournament. And next week, I will announce who my eight selections are. Well, again, it's a bunch of names that are all going to get beat by Double J Jeff Jarrett, no matter how you slice it, you know? I'm just saying, like, you know, we... I, I can't. I don't have words for this. Like, I get it. He makes money. He cons people. He always manages to get paid. But at the end of the day... What self-respecting person is going to see a Jeff Jarrett versus like Derek Dillinger and be like, oh, I'm going to pick Jeff Jarrett. Makes no sense to me. I'm not me? saying he's not going to win. Oh, you. No. That's people. Just... Go ahead. People that are like me. Oh, the worst for, kind of people. For better or for worse, I was going to say, yes. <sighs> Maybe I'll just put Jeff Jarrett against Mandy Rose and then I'll just get one of those Mandy Rose like Stan accounts to retweet it. Good luck. Yeah. We'll see. But those are your first eight. Next week, we'll have the second eight. Hopefully, Jeff Jarrett gets bounced in the first round because this bit isn't funny anymore, Joe. You, you talk Jeff about Jeff. all these things, right? And you say all these things about Jeff Jarrett, all these disparaging things. And then you have no choice but to say all the good things that Jeff Jarrett does. But no matter how you slice it, the one thing that Jeff Jarrett always does is win. <sighs> That's why he won all those world titles, right? In WWE? Yes! In WWE? How many time Intercontinental Champion? Tag Team Champion. World Titles. World Titles. titles. He was the WCW World Champion. That doesn't count. So was David Arquette. He was the TNA and uh, NWA World Champion. He owned the company. Uh, For part of it, yes. For most of it. Uh, I will say he didn't win the Global Force uh, Championship. That was Cody. Um, But, you know, Cody was in the underlearning tree of Double J. He knows what's up, right? Yeah, yeah. Listen. So, enough about that. I'm excited to see who your picks are. 
trying to stack the deck of your own tournament, which is a very whatever odd thing. But okay, uh, this weekend, this Friday, uh, Sokol's Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, holiday hangout, LVAC uh, show got too big. Usually five matches at the Sokol shows. Now there's six matches. We've got Young Jay Lee taking on Lucky 13. We've got Becca taking on Clara Carreras. We got Cheeseburger versus Mike Bailey. We got Kevin Blackwood and Puff taking on the Pateri. We got the Flames of Love, call them what you will, Dapper Donnie and the Rising Flame, Leslie Butterscotch and Billy Avery. Not their shoot. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> taking on the Kamish, Blackstrom, I always fuck his name up, and Rex Lawless. And then just announced the famous sixth match as we have uh, arguably the dream team of Ultramantis Black, The Boar, Delirious, and Little Mean Kathleen taking on Veda Scott, Big Dan Champ, Murloc, and Channing Thomas, managed by Sidney Bacabella. That's a main event in any arena right there. That's that's big time main event. I like right. it. Right. And there's two bands playing. One of them is Ultramantis Black's band. So that leads me to believe that Ultramantis Black's match is going to be on right before intermission. So he has time to, uh, you know, cool down and get ready to sing his musics. Does he wear, like, is there a wrestling mask and then, like, a performing mask? Yeah. Like, separate ones? Like, yeah. Maybe like a different mouth cut out or something. It's 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 the it's the mask that he uses for commentary, where his mouth is more exposed. Yes, I got gotcha. you. Okay, cool. And uh, you know, so de- tickets are still on sale. I'm not sure if they've cut them off yet. Let me click the link right now. Um, there are so they are still you're still able to buy tickets and be ready to go. Um, you know, it's gonna be cold tomorrow. It's gonna be rainy. It's gonna be something. So, I don't know, get there early, get inside the building, get a good spot. I'm going to be there at 5.30, you know, that's call time. So, uh, you know, that's that's me. I'm excited to see everyone. I'll be wearing a mask, though, you know, no chances. It's too close to Christmas for me to catch anything, COVID or otherwise. <laughs> no sweet soul kisses this time? Nope, nope. Uh, sweet soul kisses are going to be uh, uh, put on the shelf this weekend. I apologize. <laughs> rain check right 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 oh i'm gonna hand out rain checks for deep soul kisses how about that (laughs) it's a perfect stocking stuffer that's right i'm gonna hand write a bunch of those and hand them out tomorrow at the show yes there you go so uh we have to also discuss before we get into plugs uh the new segment of the show and you said we're gonna be under an hour look at you like a fool uh weekly purges is so what have you gotten rid of out of your collection this week, Adam? Uh, I, I haven't sold anything because it's 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 the week before Christmas and I've been busy. Mm. But uh, there, So I will just say, and I have very little faith in anybody that works in our government, but supposedly, I don't know, congressmen or representatives or whatever, somebody is proposing a bill. Uh, I don't know if it'll actually be voted on or if it's whatever, but somebody is proposing a bill to re-up the tax threshold on eBay from 600 back up to 20,000. Oh, okay. Uh, so if that actually gets proposed and voted on and actually passes, uh, then I can go back on a selling spree on eBay and not have to rely on like people locally buying my shit. Cool. Fingers crossed, but uh, I'm sure you've purged some screenshots, Joe. I have. 
Uh, I have pictures of some knit hats that I'm getting for my friend Marcus this year for Christmas. Oh. Uh, I have uh, screenshots of the argument that Sean Rossap and Rovert were having on Sunday in regards to a fightful article about if the Matt Hardy, Ethan Page angle on AEW is good or not. Uh, (laughs) I think I saw some of that interaction. Yes, I have the picture of my double J heels and faces retro figure that came in. Yeah, are you finally, uh, like, is this the part of the show where you're going to apologize for everything bad you said about Zombie Sailor over the last 17 months? I'm not sure if I've said anything bad. I've only spoke the truth. Oh, okay. That must have been me. (laughs) If the the truth is bad, then be better. (laughs) All right. How how do you like the figure, Joe? I love it. It's It's beautiful. I had a fig defender all ready to go for it. Um, So... Would it have passed your jeweler's loop test? I will say yes with an asterisk, okay? Okay. There's one tiny little thing on the bottom, like, uh, corner, like, where the bubble is, okay? Mm-hmm. Tiny, 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 like, discoloring. Other than that, I'd say it's near perfect. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I've gotten... Uh, more lax in my old age or if it's just the fact that I consider that uh, with it being like a more limited print run more of like a handmade product like I can kind of forgive little imperfections on the packaging as long as it's not as bad as like some of them that we saw in the first series this is minor it's maybe like five millimeters at most like I'm not saying that like I measured it but like (laughs) unless you like I said jeweler's loop if you held it up to your face with like a magnifying thing, you'd be like, okay, that's noticeable. But just sitting on a shelf, sitting on a wall, sitting on a whatever, you wouldn't even notice it. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, the Lacey Evans uh, deleted tweets about her defending, posting on Instagram an Infowars video saying how processed foods have caused, uh, created ADD and autism. And then people replying to her with the uh, commercials that she did hawking corn dogs. <laughs> that was all covered on Pod Van Dam this week. We don't need to get into it. But yeah. as I saw the tweets coming out, I'm like, oh, those are going to get deleted like in like five minutes. I got to grab them while they're grabbing is good, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I've already sent them to a bunch of people, so I could delete them now. <laughs> yes, you've done your part. Um, so I plug the LVAC show. I'll plug independentwrestling.tv, uh, a.k.a. Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Um, check out the stuff that they have. Um, I know the Smart Mark crew will be there filming LVAC this Friday, so I'm sure it'll go up on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium eventually. Use the promo code at odds. New subscribers let Jerry know that you came to him from us. Uh no clue what's going on at the T Public store. I think they're done with sales until the new year. But you can always help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. It's in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Um, they do not charge you anything extra. Because uh, obviously if it wasn't for us, you wouldn't know Amazon exists. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, somebody purchased the Funko Pop Moments World Wrestling Entertainment Brett Hitman Hart and Shawn Michaels. 
Oh, Mr. Hitman. Oh, yes. And they did Shawn Michaels dirty with the hairline there. And I'm saying that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody also purchased the unofficial guide to vintage Transformers 80s through the 90s. I bought that book last year. It I remember you phenomenal. talking about it. Yeah. It is phenomenal. I love that book. Right. Uh, somebody purchased a Rick and Morty talking pickle Rick. All right. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I I know what pickle Rick is, but uh, all right. right. Uh, and I'm I'm going to assume the same person purchased these next two items: a ten pack hand cream gift set, hand lotion for dry, cracked hands, natural hand care moisturizing lotion, travel size hand lotion for body <laughs> and dry skin, small hand lotion, bulk gifts for women. Oh. That's that's a brief description. I like it. And somebody also purchased scented candles gift set, twelve soy wax aromatherapy therapy candle with essential oil for stress relief relaxation, smoke free strong fragrance long lasting for Christmas bath home decor. Yeah, those definitely sound like two things that like are either a gift for somebody or somebody's trying to get lucky. There you go. Either way, congrats. <laughs> I remember back in my uh, early courtship days that a good gift to get for your lady, uh, no matter how serious things were, uh, find out what their favorite scent or scents are and get them a candle of that scent or the hand lotion of that scent. So that's, you know, we're taking it back to 2000, motherfuckers, and I'm doing the Zandig <laughs> pose as I do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm sure, you know, the, the scent of Joe probably needs to be covered up. Yeah, it game. certainly does. It <laughs> certainly does. But you know what scent doesn't need to be covered up, Joe? Oh, the... whoa. hang on. Before you do that, hey, I just want to thank everyone for making any and all of your purchases to the Amazon affiliate link, whether it be this week, this month, this year, this whenever. So what else needs to be covered up, Adam? Oh, I was going to say these podcasts don't need to be covered up oh. because their scents are wonderful. And those are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, WWE War, Wrestling Cheers, Indie Wrestling Guide, Pod Van Dam, Wings on Wings, Between the Sheets, Hit My Music, and If You Catch My Grift. Well, I'm sad to see that the Garf cast and uh, Jonas and the Uwu Bean Small Boy Hour were already canceled. <laughs> well, there was no mention of them over the last two weeks on Pod Van Dam, so they got mm. bumped. Well, Pat has to show up to plug his Garfield podcast. Anyway. This is true. All right, well, Adam, you know what time it is. Yep. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. And your figures will be bought. Ah, <laughs> uh, Joe, I've done a lot of Christmas shopping this week, but I don't include any of that stuff. But right. uh, I have a couple things, and uh, I'm sure you have one or two for yourself. I, I do. Okay. I'll just say, you know, that Brett and Sean uh, Funko Pop WrestleMania thing that somebody else bought. I also bought that. 
but I also bought the Walmart exclusive Bam Bam Bigelow Funko Pop. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a nice looking Funko Pop. I'm glad I'm out of the Funko game. Yeah, yeah, like that one is like it glows in the dark. So I assume is the like the flame tattoos gr- uh, glow, which I'm here for. So uh, I've cleared up a bunch of space over the last couple of weeks, so I can uh, I can afford to pick up two more. Yeah, but nothing uh, nothing this week. Uh, what's that? Like, yeah, I didn't. Sell you didn't anything. get rid of anything this week. I can't. I'm not going to be able to get rid of stuff every single week. Come on, I'm not. Like, maybe like when eBay comes back, I can do that. What about you? What'd you get? Well, um, I missed out on it last time, and I wasn't gonna let it slip through my grubby little mitts a second time. Um, one of the um folks that do the high quality bootleg reprint whatever shirts. Yeah, the uh, they they're tribute shirts. Yes, there you go. Uh, they did they did a reprinting limited only to thirty of the do- evil doink WWE shirt. Okay. And, you know, I'm a fat guy, so I had to get the fat guy sizes. You know, shipping is what it is. Do I feel good about paying $41 for a t-shirt? No. But if I passed on it this time, I'd be kicking myself, you know? Yeah, no, I gotcha. And uh, from my Nintendo points, um, I accumulated enough that I was able to cash them in. Like, I would, like, whatever, I... Sometimes there's like little knickknacks and stuff. There's like a Mario ornament that was like one of those things where like I get the email that the ornament is live. I click the link and it's already sold out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm always looking for those things just to get rid of my points. And they had like a Kirby uh, lanyard keychain thing. And I had to pay like three bucks for shipping on it. But I just used a bunch of my Nintendo uh, e-points. Okay, cool. Cool. Is that it? That is it, man. All right, I have one last thing, and it's not even a purchase, but I actually got a Christmas uh, a Christmas gift from a friend of mine, and this person knows me very well. I'm going to actually shoot you a picture, as I often do. Uh, hopefully, you'll get it uh, pretty quick. But uh, there's two things that I am known to be a fan of, Joe, among other things, and those two things are bobbleheads and Stacy Keebler. So a buddy of mine got me a Stacy Keebler bobblehead. <laughs> uh, this is like ba- I I didn't catch the date on it, but it's like from the uh, you know the air. I guess the other people that were available were is that Trish? That's Trish RVD yeah. Brock Ray Mysterio and, and Brock. Yeah, so it's like from that era. So like maybe uh, kind of towards the end of Stacy's run. So which is two thousand three. I'd say 2000 or either late 2002 or early 2003. Yeah. So it's, it's a 20 year old bobblehead. Uh, and, uh, it's awesome. I, there's not, believe it or not, there's not a ton of Stacy Keeler merch. They, she had like maybe three different Jack's figures, which I have none of hint, hint, anybody looking to get me something. Uh, she has the one Hasbro, uh, and then obviously some trading cards, but yeah, this is awesome. Like I'm, I'm very happy for it. He doesn't listen to this show, so I'm not going to bl- uh, call him out, but uh, Stacy Keebler bobblehead. And that's my only other thing, Joe. That's it. That's it. Wow. Again, I've, been, I've been, it's Christmas. I've been spending money on, on other people. I, I'm with you. And this was just one of those things. Like I said, that doink shirt, uh, like I said, I, yeah, all my Christmas shopping is done. Everything's wrapped. Everything is where it needs to be. There's no 
emergency gifts, all the gift cards for gift card people. So I'm like, nobody else is going to get me this doink shirt. I'm treating myself, you know? Oh, yeah. That's uh, one of those things where you have to, like, jump on it. You know, like when I get those eBay saved searches that I hadn't seen go off in in years. And it's like, well, I got to get it now, even though it's not a good time, because it's like, when else am I going to do it? You know, so that's that's understandable for sure. But that's it for me, Joe. I think we, we might have got under two hours. Uh, it'll, it's definitely under two hours. Yay. Short show. <laughs> for us yes <laughs> so yes this is gonna give us all time i'm off work tomorrow um you know i'm gonna be well rested i'm gonna have my beard trimmed i'm just about two weeks off a haircut so i'm gonna look as best as i can which is still pretty a low bar um for the lvac show tomorrow um i hope to see everyone there um if you're not there um you know i completely understand but uh if you are there say hi you know hell yeah but, uh, hey, that's it. Merry Christmas, Joe. Yes, Merry Christmas to you, Adam. Merry Christmas to all our listeners. Thank you, everyone, for your continued support of the show. Um, it never ceases to amaze me of how many people listen to this show and interact with the show on a weekly basis. And uh, I, I, I'm speaking for Adam here, and I will say that we are both extremely grateful for that, you know? This is true. So, again, thanks, everyone, for listening. Be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.